Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg breaking down college football from a different angle. It's the College Football Film Room Podcast. Welcome inside the College Football Film Room alongside veteran scout, coach, and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg, and there is some news that occurred here on Tuesday evening as we are recording this podcast. And if you've been listening to this podcast for the past several months or year, two years or so, you knew that this was coming because, Chris, you had mentioned it several times that you expected Mark D'Antonio to step down at the end of the season. Well, it is official as he announced the retirement and he is no longer the head coach at Michigan State. This obviously did not take you by surprise. What did you make of the timing and everything that he said here in his press conference? Well, I think the the timing had everything to do with the um, bonus that was uh, retention bonus that was in effect uh, mid-January. Uh, I mean, we're talking over $4 million that the university owes them. Um, and I think it's it's a complex in this regard. We know that um, Mark, the success that he's had there, what he's meant to that program. I mean, he's been the most successful guy since Duffy Doherty. I mean, he's been really outstanding. We've seen some lean years the past few years, including, you know, his resistance to make changes on his staff. Last year, it was one of the more unusual changes I've ever seen, that every guy on his staff, um, was retained, but everybody had most everybody, not everybody, but 90% of them had position changes. I mean, offensive guys, not coaching defense. So he just, he's, he changed things around, but he was so loyal. Most of those guys were with him from back in his Cincinnati days, university of Cincinnati. Days. So I, I, you know, we knew that it was, there's a lot of pressure to maybe make some changes that I just knew that he wasn't going to be willing to make. There are some other issues that we will see if it comes to fruition or not. But there's a couple of uh, he, he's likely to be deposed in a situation where he. Obviously yeah, he said it had nothing player. to do with it, but it's hard to believe that uh, it had I, I, nothing I to do with the decision. No, I think it has everything to do with. Yeah. It. And I think the only issue is why didn't this happen when the the coaching retirements normally happen? That's in the November, December range. And I'm going to go back to the money. I, I think that there was a belief inside and a strong pull from inside to respect and reward D'Antonio, yet also knew that it was time to move on. And I, I think that it had everything to do with there's a, a, a nice umbrella package of money that was due that – he can walk out and thank you for what you've done here, and he can move on. Um, I think the only thing that's a little bit unusual is, you know, it could have been done on January 16th, but that certainly would look really bad when you're when the deadline to get your bonus actually the bonus is due on March 1st, but it was contingent upon him still being the coach on January 15th. So January 16th is not the act, not necessarily the best PR look to announce you retiring. So I think that um, 
you know, I don't question the fact that he thought about it, but I don't think he had, uh, this was like totally his decision. I think it was basically a force out that we're going to make it look anything like a force out. I think the only thing that's a little bit unusual about the timing is, I mean, if you're going to want to hide it from the news cycle, probably they could have put a press release on Super Bowl Sunday yeah. or, or that would have been goofy. I'm just kidding. But, you know, signing day is tomorrow, mm-hmm. um, February signing day. I, you know, I, I, I'm just wondering if <laughs> why wouldn't you wait a couple more days? But but be that as it may, that's the reason for the timing and why he's moving on. Um, and I, I think it was expected. In fact, the whole storyline of, you know, why it hasn't been done, uh, at least for me, I knew that there was the retention bonus. I thought it was going to come down to a negotiation where he would get his money and they would have basically moved on. I'm guessing there were some people that didn't want to do that. The people that did basically said, well, here's what you do. He just announced it after that, you know? So it's like, this is how these things work, Scott. It's like, it's politics. We know as we deal with politics on a regular basis, boy, do they exist in college more so than in the pro game because you got an owner and there's little office politics, but there's real politics in college athletics because you got some people that clearly wanted him out that weren't, that, that really didn't want to necessarily give him that balloon package and others that said, this is the right thing to do. We owe him that. So the one way to assure that you get it is just wait to after that date to announce that you're leaving and let's not do it, you know, immediately after January 15th, because then it makes it look like this is obvious what we're doing, but that's how I read it. The only thing for me was when it was going to happen and I thought it might happen a little sooner because, you know, I think that certainly making a, a um, making this move is something that I just did not see him being there. I did not see him being the head coach at Michigan State. And I think it's in March. And I don't know this for certain. And I don't even know for certain if it's going to happen. But if he is deposed, and sometimes this stuff is delayed, and it's March or April, and he's being deposed in court as a Michigan State coach. On top of all that, that is not something he wanted to do, and it's not something that he wanted to move on from his assistants. So this is how it played out. It's as, it's as simple as that. And so hopefully I'm painting a clearer picture of how sometimes this is how these things kind of play out or have to play out when there are politics involved and not everybody wants it a certain way. And this is a way he walks away with his money, walks away with his pride. Um, you know, he's, he, he, he's going to have some role if he wants to in the university in some kind of a advisory capacity, if that's what he wants to do. And Luke Fickle will likely be the next coach at Michigan state, come over from Cincinnati. And I believe that the motions have been already in place with that. Yeah, and Luke Fickle makes the most sense, but but when you talk about timing, Chris, it's not just affecting Michigan State because now it's affecting and now it's affecting Cincinnati. Well, it's going to affect you know more than that. It's going to trickle down because I think you're going to see pretty much the the entire Cincinnati staff go with them because at this or unless 
there's a few guys he can pluck um, from somewhere else, like somebody that he wants to be his D coordinator. That's a linebacker coach at a bigger school. He can move on, but it's going to be, I mean, uh, you know, the, uh, the only other guys that I think if, and I think that Luke wants the job and will take the job, but you know, the other, only other guys, I don't think Matt Campbell's going to leave um, Iowa state. And I don't think, uh, I think Pat Narducci might from Pitt, but I, I think the job's going to go to Luke. He's young, bright, experienced, obviously didn't have a great stint as the head coach at Ohio State in an interim role mm-hmm. before, you know, Urban got the job and moved in. But he's done a phenomenal job at Cincinnati. Uh, he just got a commitment and talk about affecting it. This is where the the move of the time and surprised me that it didn't that we're not having this conversation on next week's show. See, I thought it might have happened like this Friday or next Monday or Tuesday after signing day, because you know, I don't know how it's going to affect Cincinnati just got a commitment. The highest ranked quarterback prospect to ever commit to a group of five school. Uh, and one of the best that we've seen, does that affect him? And we're, you know, would not want to go to Cincinnati now and maybe go with them to Michigan state. If, if the, if this does go along with Luke. So there's some issues still to be, there's a reason why it came out today, and I'm not quite sure as opposed to a, a few days from now. But I, but I'm not quite, I'm not quite sure I have the answer to that just yet. Yeah. Uh, well, you, you mentioned signing day, and it is uh, here tomorrow as we record this podcast on Tuesday. We're talking about the February signing day. Most of the big name prospects have already uh, committed; they have signed, but there are still names that we are expecting to be announced here. On Wednesday, what are you hearing in regards to the top players that are still uncommitted? Well, let me start with the elephant in the room. That is Zach Evans from the Houston North Shore running back. I don't expect anything to come down the pike. Now, remember, he doesn't have to. In fact, he can't sign because he signed an NLI that was not submitted. But so he's got to, you know, he's going to end up somewhere. But I don't think he's going to decide. In fact, let's remind folks that. There is not like the December day where there's a, there's a 72-hour signing period. Yep. You don't literally have to sign. You can just show up on campus. Obviously, you know, 99% of the kids have to because you've got to know they're coming and you got to have room for them. Zach Evans, for the people that are interested, and there are people that are. We'll get to that in a second. Um, I don't think he's made up his mind. I think he's going to take a visit to Florida in March. That's what I think. I think as we speak, as this podcast drops, uh, and and it's fluid, uh, I I think Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, which, by the way, Lane Kiffin has, and Ole Miss has made some impressive inroads, and there may be a couple of other moves that uh, we need to look out for, but that's a strong possibility. Tennessee's still in the mix. Jay Graham, who is the running back coach and chief recruiter for Zach when he was at AM, just left AM a week ago to go back home to Tennessee to be running back coach there. I think AM's still in it. And I think Florida will get a visit before we have all this settled. So that is likely not going to happen. Now, Jordan Birch, the big. Defensive tackle from Columbia, South uh, South Carolina. 
the best they've had since Jadavian Clowney. Mm-hmm. It's really close between LSU, South Carolina. I'm, I'm maybe give a 51 49 edge to South Carolina staying at home at the end of the day. Uh, he did visit South Carolina this past week, but LSU's really made some strong inroads and it wouldn't surprise me either way. Uh, Broderick Jones, that cleared up. We talked about that last week. He is the big offensive tackle from Lithonia, Georgia. He's going to pick Georgia. Uh, he did not take his Auburn visit this past week. That tells me that he is definitely going to go to Georgia. Vontae Williams is going to Florida. We mentioned that last week. Uh, Cedric Van Pran, uh, the offensive tackle from Georgia, is, uh, is going to go uh, to Georgia. Um, uh, I'm trying to think anybody else that I'm um, – Oh, uh, McKinley Jackson, a big defensive tackle from Loosedale, Mississippi. Uh, still think Alabama, some think AM. We'll see. Uh, Alfred Collins uh, is another one uh, to pay attention. Maybe Texas can uh, glean him in. Jameer Gibbs, the big run, the running back, uh, I think is going to stay with his commitment to Georgia Tech, a big, a big get for um, Jeff Collins. Malachi Weidman. I look out here. I think that this is where Tennessee comes in and flips the Florida State commitment at this point. Uh, Ashad Clayton, the running back, is probably going to go to Colorado, a kid out of New Orleans. So that's the latest. Oh, Malik Hornsby. Let's see if Sam Pittman and new offensive coordinator Kendall Browse can convince him to stay at Arkansas. So those are the ones that are the most intriguing and uh, we're going to find out how that plays out. Um, likely have those decisions um, in the play out in, uh, on, on Wednesday. There is some transfer news, Chris. Uh, former Stanford quarterback KJ Costello is yes. going to Mississippi State. He is going to play for Mike Leach. He's a graduate transfer, which means he doesn't need to sit out. He has uh, one season of eligibility left. He could play right away as a graduate transfer. We know that Mike Leach's offense in four of the last six seasons has led the nation in passing. So for a quarterback, it is kind of appealing. But when I look at KJ Costello, I know he put up some big numbers, I guess, what was it, in 2018, not last yes. year when he when he had uh, like you know yes. 3,500 yards or something like that. I just yes. don't see him as an air raid quarterback, though. Am I mistaken or my eyes mistaking me here? Well, the air raid's pretty simple to run, and I think he can put up big time numbers. Yeah, the the Chris, the I raid, can put up big time numbers in Mike Leach's eyes. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that, that, that's why it's that's why it's pretty much quarterback friendly. That most everybody can do it if you're pretty accurate. And uh, you mentioned 18. You know, he completed 65 percent of his passes at 29 to 11 touchdown interception ratio. The biggest issue is health and he didn't have it this past year. I, I, I think the issue is that you've got some other competition. They've yes. got Garrett Schrader, Katon Thompson, Jalen Maiden, and they've got um, the true freshman, early enrollee, Will Rogers, um, all coming in. Now, and remember, last year, when, you know, at Washington State, at this time, the guy that they were talking about in Pullman, was the Eastern Washington transfer, Gage, uh, Gage Gabrut, not Anthony Gordon, mm-hmm. who ended up beating him out in August. So I don't think this is a, a certainty 
that this guy wins it. But it's a guy that he's familiar with, a guy that can run this offense. He's 6'5", 222. If he's healthy, uh, he can pick it up quickly. I know that. Smart kid, yeah. Yeah, it's just a matter of the other guy. He's going to have to completely, clearly take it over. If it's close with the younger guys, he's going to go with the younger guy. But it gives him some experience. This is an offense that if you don't have a quarterback that can make plays, I mean, they, they got nothing. I mean, this would be like a disaster. I mean, it's like, you know, going in the middle of the ocean without a without a seal or without a motor. I mean, you're dead to the water. You know, so he's got to have that. And I think having somebody, even in a backup role, um, makes some sense for KJ. But obviously, KJ's coming in uh, to win that starting job and feels like he can. So, look, it's going to be interesting because the one thing that we're seeing in the SEC West, Ole Miss and Mississippi State still likely fighting for the fifth best in the West, recruiting and on the field. But, boy, with Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach, particularly Lane Kiffin this time of year in recruiting, uh, I just mentioned, um, you know, the the possibility they could – I mentioned that Malachi Weidman is likely going to flip from Florida State to Tennessee, but Ole Miss is in that picture, and it looks like Ole Miss is in the big-time picture to flip another four-star wide receiver that's committed to Florida, Mark Britt. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. And I mentioned um, they're in the mix with Zach Evans. So in a short period of time, this is where this is Lane Kiffin's strength. It's not Mike Leach's strength, but they certainly have both of those programs have made moves to these guys to try to make splash moves to try to basically, you know, pound – pound pans in the kitchen to make everybody notice that they're there. But, you know, certainly in this offseason, they've done just that. We'll get back into the podcast in just a second, but I got breaking news. This is an important PSA brought to you by Manscaped.com. This is your pubic service announcement. After more than 18 months of research and development, the Manscaped engineering team has confirmed they have successfully created the greatest ball hair trimmer ever. Now, I have the 2.0, but I got to go out there and get myself the new 3.0 because that's what they did. They made the 2.0 even better. The Lawnmower 3.0 Manscaping Trimmer is now available for purchase and get 20% off and free shipping with the code BELIEVE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code B-L-E-A-V. And as always, your balls will thank you. Did you see uh, who Hugh Freeze just hired at Liberty to be you know, an I did offensive not. assistant? No. Oh, who who did he hire? No. He hired uh, S.J. Tui, Sean Tui Jr., who's oh. Michael Moore's little brother. Well, who, um, you know, I you know, they, know that. Yeah, they portrayed. You know, he was obviously they portrayed him in the, the movie The well, Blind Side and in the book, obviously. But um, apparently, I did not know that. Yeah, he was. He went. He was working with Chad Morris at Arkansas yeah, no, as I knew the assistant that. director of football operations. Yes, and so now Hugh Freeze hired him at Liberty, where he's going to be. It's a similar role. I think he's doing like analytics stuff. Um, yeah, well, that makes that, some but sense. That's, that's the, the type story of stuff. There, that, yeah. Sean Tui was a basketball mm-hmm. player at Ole Miss, and I yes. remember Sean. Sean is uh, originally from uh, New Orleans, and has a, a strong connect, and obviously 
when he finished his college career, got into business and owns a bunch of fast food places. Um, he also did. He also was the uh, the the he did the broadcasts for I think the Grizzlies, right? He did. You know, he did he, an NBA he, team. He might have. I, I did not know that. Makes sense. You know, right there. I, I'm not. I'm not familiar with that, but. Yeah. So yeah, he you know, did. The, yeah, he did the. Um, yeah, he, do, he does. I don't know if he still does it, but he did the. Um, he was the radio analyst for the Grizzlies. Yeah. So yeah, and uh, yeah, you know what? I I'd, I'd really. Uh, hey, son of that age, I guess it is. Time flies. No, that's uh, <laughs> that's great. But obviously, with his his uh, he is very involved financially. Still involved with Ole Miss, and was very involved in uh, helping to support the program to get Hugh Freeze yep. from from Hugh Freeze coached at a small little college in just outside of Memphis. And, you know, and Hugh obviously was the recruiting coordinator for Ed Orgeron at Ole Miss. So there's a lot of connection and obviously a close friendship with Hugh. If you remember when the blind side took place, you know, Ed was still the coach at Ole Miss, the head coach. But his recruiting coordinator and assistant coach was Hugh Freak. So yeah, there's a who long was, connection. Who was Michael Orr's high school coach? And- correct. Yep. Correct. So um, that is the connection there. But I did not know that uh, Blue SJ is. Yeah, uh, I, I was guy. reading. The, I was reading the story apparently, and Hugh Freeze baptized SJ. That's how close he is with the family. And now imagine he he baptized this kid, and now he's hiring him as a football assistant. It's just I think it's just a great story. You know, it's a, it, it yeah. really is. Well, the whole baptism with what the problems that Hugh got in is very much Jimmy Swaggart like. You're you're aware of who Jimmy Swaggart is? You for me with that story? I don't know. If people are Jim and Jimmy Swaggart was a is the the, uh, the um the, evangelist, the, the pastor. Yeah, whatever, he's an evangelist, yeah. and he lives in Baton Rouge. He's uh, got his place right down the road from from where I'm speaking to you, yeah. and he infamously got involved with with. Um, you know, someone of ill repute, much like uh, you did. And so <laughs> that's why the joke was uh, he, the nickname in coaching for you was always Coach Swag, as in start mm. for Swaggart, because a lot of people kind of was aware of some of it. Uh, not casting dispersions. I am hopeful and and praying, not not being cynical here, that Hugh's figured Hugh Freeze is an outstanding coach and is, is. good enough and should be from a football standpoint coaching in the sec. And I'm wondering if the stigma of obviously what he did, um, there's no doubt that has eliminated him from the discussions. Um, but I got to tell you, I mean, if doing a good job at Liberty, look, I mean, well, he's trying to look how good a job he did at Ole Miss. I mean, the sad part is if, Lane Kiffin does a good job, he'll be out of Oxford as fast as he got there. If he doesn't, then you're not going to want him there. The sad part is that Hugh Freeze would have likely been an Ole Miss lifer and done the best job for that program. And I know that in the Bible belt, it wasn't going to fly, and I'm not suggesting it otherwise, but from a pure football standpoint, if you were Mississippi State, if you were Arkansas, and you could have put up with the negativity of the PR part of it, Hugh Freeze would have been the call. I would have made at both of those places as a recruiter and as a football coach. Oh, well, well uh, let, me, let, me, let me better, than, better than both of the guys that those programs are. But I understand. But, but let, me, let me just, let me just say this. 
for people that want to talk about like Hugh Freeze recruiting, okay, I'm just going to throw out a couple of names here, all right, and people might be familiar with them. How about Laquan Treadwell? Mm-hmm. How about Evan Ingram? Mm-hmm. How about um, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, um, Dante Moncrief? These are all kids that he recruited. I know he didn't, he didn't coach when uh, Until. you know when when some of these guys got later on in their college careers, but he recruited them to go to Ole Miss. These are all NFL players. There's a there's there's more. There's 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 so many more NFL players from Ole Miss that he recruited there. But it's just the guy well, has a good football put, coach. Let me put this in perspective. On a day tomorrow, on signing day, excuse me, as you're listening to this, um, it's Wednesday. So as you watch today. And you look at where the recruiting rankings are. That's what people, I know a lot of people, they just look at, well, how did this team rank? And there's a lot more to it than that. But Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, back in that class, there was a year that Hugh Freeze had the number one recruiting class in the country at Mm. Ole Miss. That doesn't happen. It's never happened. And I'm not sure it ever will happen again. That now, was the some, was that the Robert was it the Robert Kendiche year? It was the Robert Kendiche year. Yes, it yeah. was. So it was, um, you know, it was a now. Listen, there was some illegal recruiting on yeah. Robert and some others. So I'm not saying he did it all legitimately, but um, certainly he's had success. So anyway, I, I don't know. I didn't want to get, but but certainly uh, interesting side note. I'm glad you passed that along. Uh, that yeah. the SJ's <laughs> one of the staff, but I do think that Hugh Freeze, um, you know, probably will be back in the league at some point. Yeah, I can see that happening as well. How about this for coaching news? Marvin Lewis is now going to be the yep. co-defensive coordinator at Arizona State, along with um, uh, 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 Antonio Pierce. So Correct. they're going to be the defensive coordinators for Herm Edwards. It's a pretty legit staff they got over yeah, there. Chris. Yeah, well, you know, I, I kept we had it on LandryFootball.com for weeks and weeks. That, I was pretty certain that Marvin was going to get the job. And I just pretty much assumed that, no, that they're going to go in a different direction or going to do something. Well, the something makes a lot of sense. They've got a younger guy and they've got Marvin in a position to where, look, they are doing things that are very much like being done in today's college game in which they've got a very eclectic staff with veterans and young guys and combinations and uh, I think the co-coordinator route makes a lot of sense. I like and that, that a lot, you know, too. Marvin would like probably to move on and probably will. And who knows, maybe Antonio may move on, you know. And, mm-hmm. and, and But it gives you some flexibility to have two guys. Uh, and if you can make it work out personality-wise. So it's pretty obvious Herm had the plan that Marvin was going to be in some sort of role and they probably had this figured out and just needed to put it all together. So they have put together a nice staff. By the way, put together a nice recruiting class. Oregon's had the the class of the – they are the class of the Pac-12 recruiting-wise, but Arizona State certainly continues to do a nice job. It's a, uh, it's a running back and a receiver group that's one of the best in the country. And uh, another coaching move, uh, Jimbo Fisher has brought in a new offensive assistant from Georgia. Yeah, uh, obviously, um, James, Coley. Uh, James Coley is coming mm-hmm. in. And, you know, James, uh, you know, certainly got a lot of heat, negativity for, for what happened last year at Georgia. Not 
necessarily fair. It doesn't really matter. It's not about fairness so much as he's a good coach and uh, certainly good value. So got some other good news in that uh, he was able to hear Jimbo that was, was able to hold on to uh, Elijah Robinson, who is the their defensive tackle coach. Uh, Penn State lost their defensive line coach. Sean Spencer off to the New York Giants um, to be able to keep um, Elijah in. Really good recruiter uh, was was significant uh, and big for him. So it's a good week for A and M, and they're going to finish off with a good recruiting class uh, class as well. So uh, now with signing day here on Wednesday, and obviously. Um, it's, it's, it's starting to ramp up towards spring practice. Eventually we're going to get there soon. Uh, but what can we find on LandryFootball.com breaking down these recruiting classes? Well, we're certainly going to spend the next couple of days, uh, focusing on the results of Wednesday and what happens up on LandryFootball.com now is we've got in the recruiting section, you can check it out. We've got the, the key players. Some of them I mentioned, some others we didn't get to where the top uncommitted players are going to likely end up. We've got that for you. We have the highest graded players in the class of 2020. We'll call the blue grade, which would be the five-star guys. Uh, The profiles and obviously where they're going, the high red grades, which is the high four stars, and then the the, uh, low four stars, which are the the low grade red grades. We've got those as well and where they're going as as well as profiles. And – We've got the class of 2021. Yes, the top 100 players in a class of 2021 because there's actually as much news, probably more news on the class of 2021 now. Most people had their junior days last week or the week before, and the classes in 2021 are starting to get eight and 10 commitments in it. We've got who those guys are so that you know about them, uh, scouting reports on them. And as we get through the summer, I've actually got some work I'm going to get up in the spring time permitting on the best prospects in the class of 2021 and 2022 by state, by region, so that you know who they are, you know who they're considering. And then as you get more and more information about where they're going to take their visits over the summer and next year, you already know about them as football players. So all of that's over at LandryFootball.com. We will grade every recruiting class by conference, um, so you want to check that out. And, uh, it's, it's, again, 90% of the classes are done, but we're going to see where the rest of it falls and it's going to change and see who ends up, uh, number one. And, and people like to know that right now, it's going to be awfully tough to beat Georgia because they've had an outstanding week. It's Georgia, it's Alabama, it's Clemson. One of those teams are going to end up with quote unquote, the top ranked class, but they're so close. You could kind of throw a blanket over all three and say, the rich get richer again. LSU, Ohio State, not far behind. AM, Auburn, Florida. It's very much an SEC flavor with three, four, five, six of the top eight recruiting classes are from the SEC. Only Clemson and Ohio State can break in to the stranglehold that is the SEC. And I'm curious to see how uh, far. Florida can make up. I've always said that they're trailing Georgia a little bit personnel-wise. But if they can finish strong and eventually get, and they won't get in the top five this year, but get to that point, then that makes that game, And because Georgia's still the better program and the better team. But it's pretty close, and Florida's making some inroads. So that's what I'm following, and we'll be following on LandryFootball.com, as well as, Scott, as you know, 
our notebooks every day, tons of transfer information. We're going to have the details on more on the Michigan State and where the Luke Fickle takes it, uh, all the transfer information, all of that we got covered for you on a daily basis at uh, LandryFootball.com. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at LandryFootball. Take advantage of the 50% scouting season sale. It's the best uh, sale we've had, and it'll get you the best price. It'll get you through all of this, all of the draft boards, free agent boards in the NFL, the spring practice, as Scott said, the rest of recruiting, recruiting all the way to the next year, all the way to the next football season. So can't get a better deal and not a better time to join LandryFootball.com. And I'll give I'll give you a name to look out for for 2021. Um, Brock Heward, former NFL quarterback, oh, now yeah. uh, does a radio show in in I, Seattle. I've seen, his, I've seen him. His his nephew yep. is, I think, one of the top quarterbacks in the country yes, right is. now. And I don't know the kid's first name. I just know that it's Heward. Also, is his last name. And he is. I think he's. Well, he's probably going to go to Washington because that's. I mean, they're a Washington family, right? Brock Heward and and uh, Luke. Well, I don't know where Luke played, but. Um, yeah, so there that's that's the name to look out for. Next quarterback, possibly at Washington. Yeah, no, I've got I've got the profile. He is in that 20 top uh, 100 players in the class of 2021. So you absolutely can uh, check him out. Uh, I've got the details on him. Seen a little bit of tape on him. Um, he's really, really good quarterback. He's got a lot of ability. So uh, you want to check him out. He's uh, obviously, as you mentioned, from the Seattle area. Uh, yep. And, um, you know, as a kid that, uh, again, comes from that Hewitt family, he's uh, been around the game a great deal. And um, I, I think he's going to have a really, really good future. Uh, he's got a good arm. Uh, he throws it with a lot of accuracy, a lot of touch. Um, you know, he's got some other good quarterbacks in this class now. But he is absolutely a good one. He kind of barely made my, uh, my uh, top 100. But he's definitely is a good one to check out. And uh, this year, I think the top kid from my state, from New Jersey, is going to Ohio State, uh, uh, Cody Simon from St. Peter's Prep. But next year, Bergen Catholic's got a kid. Uh, Taiwan Malone is a name to look out for. Those are the two I, Jer- I those, that's the Jersey him. guys. I've, I've heard a lot about Malone. He's the, he's the, no, I, think not, he's the, I think he's the number one player in the state of Jersey right now. Yes, so. he's, the, he's the guy to him. He's 14 on my list of top 100. He's 6'3", 288, as you mentioned. He's from uh, Oradell, uh, uh, Bergen Catholic. Bergen Catholic, yeah, uh, Bergen Catholic. Yeah. And, uh, but, but the high school right there in Jersey. Uh, he is a really good-looking kid. Uh, he's a defensive type. He can play defensive end. He's the number one prospect in the state of New Jersey. So um, Come on, Greg Shiano. Let's get on yeah. that, Shiano. Let's keep him in state. Come on. And, and by the way, too, he's, he's, he's a good student. And, uh, and uh, the, the, the Hewitt kids, uh, again, it's, it's, it's a Burian Kennedy Catholic. It's Samuel, Samuel Hewitt. And he's an he's a okay, outstanding cool. student as well. And he's already committed to, uh, to Washington. No surprise. Oh, makes there. sense. There you go. Makes and, sense. And, you know, the, if you want to want to a couple of little things that to the nuggets, the, the, the 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 best quarterback in the country is probably there are two guys that are really good. Well, there's several that are really good. The the most intriguing is um, is Caleb Williams. He's from the D.C. area, Gonzaga High School. No clear favorite. A really bright dual threat guy can run and he's he's can throw the football. But then the other one is Brock Vandergrip. Is right there from um, outside of Atlanta, uh, not too far from. Uh, from Athens, and of course, he committed to Oklahoma. 
Mm. He's since backed out of that commitment, and now he's going to Georgia. And uh, he backed out of that commitment, was committed to Oklahoma since June, and backed out of that commitment in December. And um, while well, just about a month ago, um, decided to go to um, uh, to Georgia to stay yeah. closer to home. So that's uh, look, folks. We it got certainly that. is fun. It really is. You know, if no if you love college football, it's kind of fun to you know to take a look at the next uh, crop of of players coming Absolutely. in. Just like if you're a fan of the, just like if you're an NFL fan and you look at the college kids, you say, "Oh, who can we get in the draft?" It's the same thing. You know, yeah. it just it's it's, it's exactly. for college. Exactly. Like I don't like I don't want to put the label on the kid because people will take. Of it course, wrong. yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But but. Remember the name Jack Sawyer. He's a kid from Pickering, Ohio. He's got the frame and look that just look like the Bosa's and the Chase Youngs. Mm. He's 6'5", he's 225. He's a standout basketball player. He's already committed to Ohio State. And I'm not saying he's going to be the next that's up to him and how well he prepares, yada, yada, yada. But he's one of the top 10 players uh, in the class of 2021. So, if you want to learn more about who they are, where they're from, a little bit about what makes them really good, how they move, how they look, we got it all for you at LandryFootball.com. You want to check out the post with the grades mean, it can just say class of 2021 scouting notes on the top 100 prospects. We've got it there for you. So it's recruiting all year round at LandryFootball.com, among other things. Awesome. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the College Football Film Room wherever you get your podcasts from. Stay up to date with the latest information by following Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball. And, of course, check out LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg. He's Chris Landry. We'll be back next week. And then once we are into the offseason, Chris, we're going to get back into our state of the program features, go around the country and get fans in depth on what's going on with their favorite programs. So until next week, enjoy the weekend, and I'll talk to you then. You do the same. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.